Uh, if we could turn to Exodus chapter 3, I'll wait just a moment, Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we're going to go down to verse uh, 13 to start with, and just going to read a couple of verses there, and then I'm going to read a verse from the uh, book of the prophet Zechariah. might take a little longer to get to that one, I think we'll have it on the screen too, so everything will uh, be a help. Exodus chapter 3, starting to read at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. And then in Zechariah chapter 14, we find this amazing verse in verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one, or translated the only one. I'd like to today spend some time on the subject, what is his name? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. And thank you for the blessing of fellowship together, where we might learn and we might uh, where we might come to know you better and just, Lord, where we may fall more in love with you. So take this word and multiply it and use it and encourage it and inspire it. And may every heart be open. May every mind be receptive. May every soul be ready to take in the precious word of God. And we'll thank you for that, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is his name? All Bible names, every name in the Bible, they all have meaning. You see, biblical names show the character of the one who possesses that name. Several times you'll find that as God changes the character of a man, uh, in, in the Bible, he changes the name of the man to fit his new character. And, and Jacob is an example of this. His name means supplanter uh, or deceiver, a name he lived up to when he supplanted his brother Esau and deceived his father Isaac. But when he wrestled with God, when he got a hold of God and God changed his character, God renamed Jacob and called him Israel, which means a prince with God, or power with God. Now right here at this juncture, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. This is a personal disclaimer. I do not speak the ancient Hebrew language. I'm not into uh, biblical Hebrew as my second language. So please be patient with my pronunciations on some of the Hebrew words that I may say this morning and please just uh, give me some space there. This principle that I'm talking about is found throughout the Bible, and, 
It doesn't end with the, the names of just men. We find Satan in the book of Job standing before God and accusing Job. Is it no wonder that the name Satan means literally accuser of the brethren? If you're making notes, Satan means accuser of the brethren. Names reveal the nature and the character of the one named. Now, let's go back in history. After the fall of man, after the flood, we find people in the Bible who did not know God. And little by little, God began to reveal himself to mankind as they began to call upon him. One way God showed man his character was by names. So in this text that I started with today, Moses asked God his name. And God answered with the Hebrew name, Eya Asher Eya, which means the one all-sufficient, the self-reliant one. It means I will be who I will be. It means I am who I am. In Genesis, uh, he's called, he is called Yahweh or Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. When Abraham uh, said God would provide a lamb uh, in, instead of his son Isaac for the, burnt, or for the sacrifice. Yes. In Exodus, God is called uh, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The book of Leviticus calls him Elohim Kedoshim, the holy God. He's pure. He's spotless. He's perfect. He's free from sin. In Deuteronomy, he's called Elohe Kedim, the God of the beginning, the one who is before all things in all things, made all things. He's also called Elohim, the God of gods. This is probably translated all the God, as the God of above all the other gods, all spirits, all angels, all beings of heaven. Pretty powerful. Nehemiah calls him Elohe Selishat, the God of forgiveness. In the Psalms, he's called Elohe Ashasti, the God of kindness, Elohe Mazi, the God of my strength, Elohe Yishi, the God of my salvation, Elohe Tehilati, the God of my praise, and Jehovah Senu, the Lord our Maker. The prophet Isaiah calls him Elohe Mishpat, the God of justice. In Jeremiah, he's called Elohe Kolbera, the the God of all flesh. He he created not just things in the heavens, but all life on this earth. Jeremiah also calls him Elohe Mikarov, the God who is near. Ezekiel calls him Jehovah Kadesh, the Lord who makes holy. Judges calls him Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And he is Elohe Kaim, the God of life. So God in the Old Testament had many, many such names. And every name reveals part of his nature, part of his character. But though they are names of God, got to get this straight, though they are names ascribed to God, they are not the name of God as you and I understand names. The angel of the Lord appeared to a man by the name of Manoah. This is in Judges 13. He was the father of Samson. And he promised Manoah that Samson would be born. In verse 17, we find these words again. Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name? <laughs> so that we may honor you when your word comes true. 
And he replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Now we know that that term, the angel of the Lord, is none other than a manifestation of God himself. Because Manoah said this to his wife. He said, we shall surely die because we have seen God. And he would not tell them his name. Jacob had a similar experience with God when God renamed him Israel. This is Genesis 32. It's one of my favorite stories in the scripture. And it starts at verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. I want to stop there for a moment. I'm going to read a couple more verses. Uh, Have you ever heard of Jacob's, Jacob's limp? I took an abstract while doing some research for this message. I took an abstract from the NIH, National Institute of Health, from their National Library of Medicine. Guess what I read? A study has been done, and it describes in modern medical terms a traumatic hip injury suffered by the biblical patriarch Jacob approximately 3,500 years ago. Those of you that are in the medical field might find this interesting. The case history is based on the original Hebrew text found in the Bible book of Genesis chapter 32. That's right where we are. As interpreted by traditional Jewish commentaries of the Bible. Jacob sustained a hip injury in hand-to-hand combat with an adversary or through an intense physiological reaction to a prophetic vision of such a battle. He appears to have sustained neurological injury to his sciatic nerve as well as musculoskeletal damage to his hip. These injuries caused a temporary limping gait. Jacob probably sustained a neuropraxia of the sciatic nerve. The differential diagnosis of his musculoskeletal hip injury includes hip dislocation, fracture, soft tissue trauma, and articular pathology. Oh no, that doesn't come, that didn't come, that didn't come from a biblical source. That didn't come from one of the Bible apps that you use or Bible information apps. That came from the NIH, their National Library of Medicine. Interesting. Jacob's limp. And in some medical circles, it's still known as that, even to this day. Interesting stuff. So let me pick up the reading again in Genesis 32, verse 26. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me or until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, 
and yet my life was spared. Remember, back in the, uh, one of the early verses I read with you, Zechariah said, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one, or the only one. So what he was saying is, hold on, folks, because that day is coming. That day will soon be revealed. That day, what we're waiting for. God is going to reveal his nature. God is going to show us his character little by little, but after a bit, you're going to see it, and you're going to see it all. But one day, the Lord is going to be king over all the earth, and his name is one. His name is the only one. Well, let me just fast forward. One day, as you, many of you know, it happened. Because an angel told Joseph in a dream not to worry about the fact that Mary was with child because this was not any ordinary child. This was a special child. Matthew chapter 1. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus means Jehovah salvation. And when he was about 30 years old, Jesus began to live up to his name. He was Emmanuel, God with us. God who had been separated by mankind by their sins was now with us. This is an amazing thing, God with us. Jesus is Elohe Mikaroth, the God who is near. Now in John 8, Jesus said this. He said this while talking to some of the elders uh, there in Jerusalem. In verse 56, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Here he is telling the, here he is telling the rulers of Israel their own history. And in verse 58, he said, Verily, verily, truly, I tell you. And Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. They said, You aren't even 50 years old yet. And you've seen Abraham? He said, Let me just tell you what the truth is. Before Abraham was even born, I am. I was. He began working miracles among people. He turned water into wine at a wedding feast. He was Jehovah Nisi, the God of miracles. I'm telling you, Jesus was more than a, just a man. He was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a rabbi or a prophet. He's more than just a religious figure of an old religion. He was Emmanuel, God with us. When he opened the eyes of the blind... And when he healed all matter of diseases, he was Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. In Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 25, the story is told of a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years. And she suffered many, many things, including many, many physicians. And had spent all that she had. She had nothing left. And she was no better. Matter of fact, she was growing worse by the day. When she heard Jesus, when she heard of Jesus coming, 
when she heard about him, when she heard the stories people were telling, she just couldn't believe her ears. She said, I'm going to go see him. She got in that press of people behind him, and she wanted to touch his garment. And she said, if I may just touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. Think of the faith of that woman. See, the woman had tried everything else. She'd gone to every physician that she possibly could go to. She was bankrupt. She had no money. She had no hope. She was unclean under the Levitical law. But when she saw Jesus, something stirred within her soul. Somehow, somehow, she knew he was more than a man. Somehow, she felt in her innermost being, this is the only one. This is the one. He is the answer. The crowds were all around Jesus. But she pressed her way to him, thinking that if she could just touch the hem of his garments, she'd be made whole. Speaking of garments, now, under the Levitical law, all the Israelite males, and many of them today still do, wore a talit, T-A-L-I-T, or T-A-L-L-I-T. And that's a prayer shawl with, uh, with blue borders. Maybe you've seen it before, and if you haven't seen it, uh, you will see it on the Israeli flag. Those are the colors, and that's the reason that those are the colors. And, uh, and so Jews, many of them still wear the tallit today. Now at the corner of the tallit are tassels called zitzits. And tradition tells us that the Jews use the tats, uh, tassels, stay with me, much like we use checks, written checks today. They wove their names into the tassels, and when buying or purchasing something, they would place the tassel into clay, leaving the imprint of their name. Jesus wore such a garment, and the woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. What garment? I believe that was the talit. Could it be that when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, she actually got a hold of his name. And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. The name of Jehovah Nisi, the God of miracles, the name of Jehovah uh, Rapha, the God who heals, is none other, listen carefully, than the name of that one who is above every other name, the all-powerful, the glorious, the holy, the exalted name, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess things in heaven, things under the heavens, every principality, every power, every man, every woman of all time. What is his name? Jesus. And I'm going to ask the question again, would you respond heartily? What is his name? Jesus. Beautiful. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. I'm a little paraphrasing here, but I'm not going to do any disservice to the text. There arose a great uh, storm of wind, and, and the waves beat with the ship. And the ship was full. You know, it's one thing when the ship's in the water, but it's not good when the water's in the ship. No. And he was in the back or hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Master, don't you care that, that, that we die? I mean, we're going to perish here. This is the worst storm. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, peace, 
be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said to them, why are you so fearful? What, you have no faith? This is something I underlined twice in red in, in, in my notes. And they, verse 41, they feared exceedingly <laughs> and, said, and said to one another, what manner of man is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. What manner of man is this? He's more than a man. I mean, the God who made heaven and the seas, the Spirit of God incarnate, the same Spirit that moved on the face of the waters on the first day of creation, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, spoke to the raging storm. Must have been a terrible storm, I admit. I mean, it upset those 12 men, really, really upset them. And we know these men. Many of them were professional fishermen. And they were exceedingly fearful. Men who knew the seas. It must have been a, a terrible, I'm going to call it a terrible hurricane. They thought they were going to die exceedingly fearful. But Jehovah Shalom arose from where he'd been sleeping. He looked calmly out at the raging storm, his voice piercing the rolling thunder and the crashing waves. And he commanded, peace, be still. i got something to tell you. You going through a storm? When the God of peace speaks to the storms, they obey. You see, one moment the storms were raging and the next moment the wind fell silent. The sea was as calm as glass. The rain stopped falling and the dark clouds parted because the name of the God of peace is Jehovah Shalom. That is Jesus. And on another day, when a leper came to, to the place where Jesus was. Well, tell us about the leper. A man unclean, a man unholy, a man unworthy under Levitical law, a man to be shunned, a man to be kept outside the city, a man who could have contact with no one, not even his own family, a man who could not be touched, even his clothes could not be touched. And he could not touch others either without making them unholy. And when he came to Jesus, he fell at his feet crying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I always wondered about that. If you read it in Matthew 8 or over in Mark chapter 1, I always wondered about that, about that, that, that statement that this man made. I mean, the if wasn't on Jesus. The if was on him. If you can believe, you'll be healed. But if you... If you would, you can, you can heal me. And by the way, when he did that, I'm sure the crowd went like this. They drew away from him in revulsion, knowing if they touched him, they too would be unholy. Why? Because leprosy was a terrible disease that kept a man from his family, 
from the temple of God, from the feasts of Israel, from any form of worship. It was just absolutely terrible. But the Bible says, but the Bible says, I had to go back twice and check this because I saw it in some notes one day and I said, I've got to make sure I'm going to say that right. But the Bible says, Jesus touched him. And there, at that moment, something happened that had never happened before in the history of the world. Here it is. Here it is. That which was holy touched that which was unholy. Oh, no, no. Are you getting this? That which was holy touched that which was unholy. Stay with me. And the unholy thing was made holy. And you're thinking in your head like I do because this is the way we think. Well, it should have been the other way around. Jesus was pure and clean and free from any sin or any disease. And if he touched that man, uh, the Bible says Jesus touched him. The holy touched the unholy. And the unholy was made holy. (laughs) Jesus was more than a man. He's Jehovah Kadesh, the God who makes holy. And that kind of takes me to John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, a friend of Jesus, and he died. And Jesus arrived on the scene, as far as everyone was concerned, far too late to do any good. But you see, Jesus is never late. You say, oh yeah, well, this wouldn't have happened. No, no, whoa, whoa. Martha fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my, 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 my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, but I am the resurrection and the life. I don't think he giggled like that, but it, it just, I mean, he, I mean, I, when Mary showed up, Jesus asked where they laid Lazarus' body. And he went with them to the tomb, and he ordered the men to roll away the stone from the tomb. And Martha said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. Now he's smelling of decay. And they rolled away the stone, and the stench of death filled the air, and Lazarus was truly dead. His body was already decaying. So surely. So surely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was too late. Hmm. Oh, yeah. But Jesus was the resurrection and the life. Oh. He was Elohim Kahim, the God of life. He stood there ignoring the stench of decay and ignoring the unbelief of those watching and he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Had he, the God of life, not said, Lazarus! Had he simply said, come forth, every 
grave in that graveyard would have opened up and every dead body, no matter how long decayed, would have been sprung to life. Why? Because He is the resurrection and the life. He is Elohim Kalim, the God of life. He told the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, now I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death. The God of life is Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, whereby, given among men, whereby we must be saved. What is his name? Ready? His name is You see, the names of God in the Old Testament are fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. Oh, yeah. Because in Genesis, he's the breath of life. Thank God. In Exodus, Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges' lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. First and Second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, he's the time and season. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. And he is, he is, he is, he is. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. And in Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. And in Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. And Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit's power. And in Amos, the arms that carry us in Obadiah. He's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Yeah, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's God, man, Messiah, and King. In the book of Acts, he's fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, our glorious treasure. Philippians, the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he is our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, the everlasting covenant. In James, the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John, first, second, and third. And in Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in the Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God Almighty, Almighty God is he. Amen. He is, he is, he is, he is, he is the, the Prince of Peace. He is the Son of Man. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Great I Am. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is our God. He is our Savior. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. And when time is no more, listen to this, He still 
is. He is. He is. He is. He is. And always will be. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. And what is his name? His name is Jesus. Do you know him? Do you love him? If so, if so, praise him, praise him, praise him. If not, my humble heart pleads with you this morning. For your, on your behalf and for your eternal sake and to the glory of God, please come to him. Oh, please, dear friend, come to Jesus. He's ready to greet you. Thank you for greeting him. And as you do, may he bless you mightily.